the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new month and a new edition of Vatican Insider. Before I look at the news highlights, I want to remind you that my guest this week in the interview segment is Monsignor Tom Powers, the new rector of the Pontifical North American College and a wonderful friend of many years. Last week in Part 1, he told us how he was invited to be rector and he looked back a bit at his own years in Rome as a seminarian and then working at the Vatican. Asked about answering the call this past spring to become the rector, Monsignor Powers said, My priesthood has been one of saying yes to the church. This week, he talks about meeting the just-arrived freshman class of seminarians, as well as his hopes, dreams, and visions for the North American College, a place in Rome we fondly call NAC. Now to the news. As you know, Pope Francis created 20 new cardinals in a public consistory on Saturday, August 27th. Sixteen of them are cardinal electors in a conclave, that is to say they're under the age of 80. Minutes after literally receiving the red hat from the Pope's hands, they joined all the other cardinals in the basilica to perform one of their duties as a cardinal, giving assent to two causes of canonization. Later that afternoon, the new eminences welcomed family and friends in what is known as courtesy visits, most of which took place in the Paul VI Hall. On Sunday the 28th, Pope Francis went to L'Aguila in central Italy to preside at Mass and to open the Holy Door at Santa Maria di Colimaggio Basilica for the 728th edition of the Celestine Pardon, an annual August celebration that dates to Pope Celestine V, who's buried in this church. One of the final acts in his five-month papacy was to issue an edict stating that popes could resign, and he did so promptly afterwards, in December 1294. 719 years later, Pope Benedict XVI resigned, having prayed at Celestine's tomb in 2009 after the massive L'Aquila earthquake. Francis also prayed for some time Sunday before his predecessor's tomb. Earlier in his homily, Pope Francis told how that morning the helicopter pilot could not land the plane due to fog, and that after circling many times, he finally found a small opening in the clouds. Off the cuff, Francis suggested that even when fog seems to shroud our lives, God will find a hole, an opening. Monday and Tuesday, August 29th and 30th, the Pope and 197 members of the College of Cardinals met in a private consistory for two days, the first time since 2015 that Francis has brought all the Cardinals together, and only the second time in his pontificate. The focus of their discussion was the new constitution on the Roman Curia, Predicate Evangelium, to preach the gospel. The Cardinals were broken up into small language groups for the first round of debates. They then reconvened and discussed their findings in a plenary session. The two days ended with a celebrated Mass with the Pope in St. Peter's Basilica. No word from the Holy See Press Office on what the Cardinals discussed, but those who spoke to the media indicated that among the reflections shared was one on communion, the witness of mutual love among Christians, and another on the challenges of today's society to open itself 
to the message of the gospel, evangelization, of course, being a principal topic for the Pope and the Roman Curia. Other important issues discussed included the cardinals wanting clarity on which Vatican dicasteries could be headed by lay people according to the new Roman Curia constitution. They also asked for a more precise and concrete definition of synodality. Since the start of the geographic meetings a year ago to discuss synodality, definitions of this term have abounded. Few people, including priests, bishops, Vatican officials, and the laity, have a precise idea of the meaning or definition of this word. The last part of the consistory of all the College of Cardinals ended with a discussion on the 2025 Jubilee year. Wednesday, August 31st, the Vatican revealed Pope Francis's prayer intention for September. He asked Catholics around the world to pray this month for an end to the death penalty. At the weekly general audience in the Paul VI Hall, the Pope began a new series of catechesis on discernment, a favorite topic of his. He began by explaining that discernment is an important act that concerns everyone because decisions are an essential part of life. One chooses food, clothing, a course of study, a job, a relationship. In all of these, a life project is realized, and even our relationship with God is concretized. Discernment takes an exercise of intelligence, of skill, and of will to seize the opportune moment. These are the conditions for making a good choice. Everyone has to make decisions, and no one can make them for us. For our decisions, good or evil, can make the earth either as God intends, a magnificent garden, or a lifeless desert. True discernment, born of our loving relationship with God and our human freedom, brings with it a deep spiritual joy and fulfillment. At the general audience addressing Polish pilgrims, Pope Francis said tomorrow, September 1st, you will remember the anniversary of the outbreak of World War II that so painfully marked the Polish nation. May the memory of past experiences urge you to cultivate peace in yourselves, your families, in social and international life. Francis also prayed for Ukraine and noted that ongoing conflicts throughout the globe constitute what he termed the Third World War. At the audience, Patrick Kelly, Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, gave Pope Francis a copy of the documentary film on Mother Teresa that the Knights have produced, Mother Teresa No Greater Love. The film documents the legacy and humble, selfless love shared globally by St. Teresa of Calcutta and the Missionaries of Charity. Also Wednesday, Pope Francis sent a telegram of condolences to the family of Mikhail Gorbachev, the last president of the Soviet Union. He died at age 91. Thursday, September 1st. Addressing the Schoenstatt Fathers in Rome for their general chapter, Pope Francis said these religious perform a beautiful service to the Church and to the world, especially by accompanying families in the different events and difficulties of life proclaiming to all their members the beauty of the covenant of love that the Lord has established with his people. The Pope said it's true that the world increasingly demands that we give answers to the questions and anxieties of the men and women of our time. But we often see that the nature of the family is attacked by various ideologies that shake the foundations that support the personality of the human being and, in general, the whole of society. 
Also Thursday, Pope Francis addressed the Italian Association of Professors and Practitioners of Liturgy on its 50th anniversary. He warned against worldly approaches to the liturgy, saying liturgy must be directed to the mystery of Christ while remaining close to daily life. He insisted that progress in the understanding of the liturgy and the art of celebrating it must always be rooted in tradition. At the same time, he warned of a worldly spirit of going backward, using the Italian word indietrismo, literally meaning backwardness. Going back to the roots, he said, does not mean going backward, but instead means allowing true tradition to lead one forward. Also Thursday, this was the final day of the two-day Vitae Summit meeting in the Vatican's Casina Pio Quarto, aimed at promoting a conversation on how to use the arts to foster a culture of hope and unity. Organized by the Vitae Global Foundation, the summit was animated by celebrities in the arts, media, and entertainment industries. They discussed their role in triggering a cultural transformation that promotes the common good, universal values, and a culture of encounter. Pope Francis joined participants at the end, and he encouraged them to be preachers of beauty, because beauty is good for us, beauty heals, beauty helps us go forward on our journey. The Pope and those present focused on the need to reach out to young people, to communicate the message of the Gospel, and to share stories of witness and accompaniment that stem from an encounter with God. Friday, September 2nd, Pope Francis sent a telegram to Vice President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner of his native Argentina upon learning of an attempt on her life near her home in Buenos Aires. Having received the worrying news of the attack suffered yesterday afternoon, I wish to express my solidarity and closeness in this delicate moment. Turning his thoughts to the whole country, Francis said, I pray that social harmony and respect for democratic values will prevail in dear Argentina against all types of violence and aggression. Those are the news highlights of the past week, but stay here for a thoroughly enjoyable and inspiring conversation with Monsignor Tom Powers, rector of the Pontifical North American College, and have a great weekend. Oh, and as part of that weekend, tune in to EWTN when they televise the beatification of Pope John Paul I on Sunday, September 4th. She is one of the most beloved saints of all time, honored as the saint of the little way. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Therese of Lisieux entered the Carmelite convent of Lisieux in 1888 and survived only nine more years. Still, her extraordinary holiness and prayer life prompted her superiors to have her write an autobiography, The Story of a Soul. It became a spiritual classic. For more about the doctors of the church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. From Rome to your home, EWTN's Vatican Bureau lets you watch all of the important events from Rome, even if you don't have a TV. Using the latest technology, we've made it possible to watch the latest news from the Holy See, all delivered directly to your home. It's easy. Watch live on EWTN YouTube and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. We need to pray for priests that they have courage and strength to be faithful. 
pray for bishops who have whole dioceses under them. And they're responsible for everyone. Religious who teach, we should pray for them. Cardinals, our Holy Father, our families, our neighbors, everybody who has a hard time living the truth or preaching the truth. We all need that extra strength of prayer. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with the new rector of the Pontifical North American College, Monsignor Tom Powers. Last week, we spoke of what being a rector entails, and this week he looks back a bit at his own years as a seminarian under two rectors, now cardinals, Edwin O'Brien and Timothy Dolan, and how they influenced him. Monsignor Tom then talks about his dreams, hopes, his vision for the seminary. You will also learn about the Casa Santa Maria and ICTE, the Institute of Continuing Theological Education. I love the moments that we get, those of us who love the college and try to come, you know, as often as we can. I love the moments when, for example, on Wednesdays when you have guests at lunch, mm-hmm. just to be to sit with, you know, four or five of the seminarians and where are you from, tell me about your diocese, um, and tell me about your vocation. The vocation stories are absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. I had a dinner one night with one, two, three, four, five of the seminarians, Oh, it was in 2014, and it was at the rector's dinner, and these were all involved in the music. And so um, <clears throat> I had posted a video which got like three million hits mm-hmm. of the entertainment. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, the five of us had dinner at my house, six of us. And I went around the table and asked for their stories. I was just amazed, five entirely different and entirely beautiful stories. I mean, I'm not going to go into them today, but y- you've got to be hearing that and and be very uplifted. Absolutely. The stories are a mosaic of God's grace and God's action in the world. It's still He still calls men to the priesthood. Despite our society, uh, the din and, and all the noise and distractions, uh, that call is still getting through, and men are generously saying yes. Just yesterday, Joan, we... Sat, I sat with the new men. 28 new men are coming in this year. And uh, the faculty was there as well and our orientation team from the second year. And I started off telling my story briefly about my vocation, my experience as a priest, uh, etc., how I got here and all that. And so I said, we're going to go around and just share our stories. Well, we had about an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half, kind of slotted for this time for 28 guys to tell their story. We ended up sitting for three hours with no a break surprise. and we didn't get through all of them we're almost through but not all of them so it tells you it told me a couple of things first of all the amazing action of god's mercy and grace in the world secondly these men are very transparent and open they want to be formed and they want to tell their story and how god has brought them here as you said is diverse 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 and uh and, and how they how they all come from different paths and but it's, it was a very beautiful morning we were all uplifted the first year men themselves were so happy to hear each other's story yeah to get to know each other <clears throat> i was happy as the rector and of course the faculty and the and the orientation team too were we were all very very moved and we talked about it all day long and even last night we had a rooftop dinner to welcome them all and welcome the faculty back and uh we were all talking about what a grace-filled morning it was to hear these just tremendous stories about God's grace in their lives. Well, even listening to the other stories becomes 
an affirmation for the person listening of yes. their own choice. Yes. They could have made it for a different reason, yes. but still, um, you had 28 people reaffirming each other, too. That's right, exactly. You know, and right. telling their story. Right. Well, it must be very interesting for you. We mentioned this before I started taping. Um, to be in the position now of welcoming the new ones, and you at one time were welcomed yourself by, you know, as this new vocation studying for the priesthood. Mm -hmm. So, but a few things have changed in the interim. I think society might be one of them. Absolutely. So I I had great models in my rectors, uh, Cardinal O'Brien, as I mentioned, Cardinal Dolan, uh, for four years, and they uh, just taught me so much as a seminarian. And now that I'm the rector, I look back and I'm grateful for their example because I can see already I'm drawing from their example when I was a seminarian. And we looked at our rectors with some awe and uh, just amazed at these tremendous men. So for me, it's it's humbling to think, you know, how am I in the same role as a Cardinal O'Brien, a Cardinal Dolan? It it, it is really uh, shocking to me. And so, uh, but it's, but it's very exciting, very exciting as well. But I know I will use a lot of what I learned from them as a student in my role as rector. Oh, sure. I, th- I mean, I was a teacher of French for many, many years, and I think what helped me being a teacher was having been a student of French for <laughs> sure, that. Right. I mean, because when I saw my students either act up or whispered at one another or exchange looks, I knew they were saying, what did Miss Lewis just say? I didn't get it. You remember doing that as a student. That's so right. the teacher, you see them chit-chatting and you go, well, maybe I'd like to review that point of grammar with you. So being on both sides of the desk um, definitely helps. That's right. It does. It does. Now, um, what are some of your, what will I say, your dreams, your hopes, your initiatives, ideas for the college as a whole, college life? Well, it's an exciting time for the church. As you know, the new program for priestly formation was just uh, published in June of this year, and it'll be promulgated, I think, in August 4th of 2023. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but the new program of priestly formation called the PPF, the sixth edition, has oh, uh, different stages of, right. of seminary formation, the propedeutic stage, discipleship stage, um, the uh, configuration stage, and the vocational synthesis stage. So those are all new terms, and there's kind of new uh, direction in how seminaries will, will, will function and work and operate. Um, it's a beautiful document based on the Ratio Fundamentalis of 2016, which is a, an, another beautiful document. Oh, right. So it's exciting how the college will um, will uh, will put that into effect, and it'll, we have some creative ideas. We're already working as a faculty to look at the different ways we can incorporate these stages, um, and I'll talk to the board, work with the board, work with the USCCB, of course, and uh, so it's a very exciting time for seminaries in general, but I think for Rome especially because we have such a great thing to offer here, first of all, being in the Eternal City. Oh, sure. I think we can offer a lot with the new PPF. Well, that actually was my next question. The difference between being in a seminary, I mean, I'm from Chicago, so I'm familiar with Mundelein. Being in a seminary in Rome, how is that different for the young man not studying at Mundelein but studying here? Again, every seminary is does the same work of forming men with the heart of sure. Jesus Christ. We know that, and they do a good job. Uh, Rome, though, being in the city, for, I mentioned, for example, this morning we got up very early, went down, had a, a, a picture with the rector and the new men with the dome of St. Peter's behind us. Um, we walked, walked down to the tomb of St. Peter and had morning mass right by the tomb. So those are just things you can do because you're in Rome. Uh, and the guys had a tour of St. Peter's afterwards. They're going to have Scavi tours uh, later on next week. So those are some things that you just absorb uh, the tradition, you absorb the history. Yeah. We're living and, and studying right next to the Holy Father. 
Um, and so it's just a great opportunity to to take in so many wonderful things. I told the guys the other evening in a homily, I said, "This what we get here is a great gift from God. It's meant to be absorbed, taken all you can, take advantage of the opportunities that you're going to have to serve the poor here, to work with the sisters, to pray at the tombs and the holy sites, uh, the places of the martyrs. And it's all meant to be brought back home and to share with your people. And so that's why we're here. We, we, we just absorb it as a great gift and gratitude, and then we go home and we share it with our people that we serve. And eventually, at some point, I don't think it's their first year, don't the young men have some kind of an apostolate, like being a guide for St. Peter's or other apostolates? Yeah, beginning in second year, every seminarian here has an apostolate, when we have an excellent apostolate program um, run by Dave, Father David Hulshoff. And so they will work with the poor. They work with missionaries of charity. They will give tours of St. Peter's. They'll give Scavi tours. It's a, they'll teach at maybe a university, a Catholic university. Many, many different uh, varieties of service they'll do. Work in the prison, Bambino Jesu Hospital. So the guys get a great opportunity to go out. And it's a bit humbling because sometimes it's in Italian. And you have oh, to yeah. really <laughs> learn Italian and get the speed. But also you realize, as I did in my apostolate at the hospital, uh, my Italian was not so strong oh. years ago as a seminarian. But I learned a lesson. The lesson is that you don't have to be talking all the time when you're with people who are suffering, with people who are ill, with families who are grieving. A lot of it's just being present. And so I learned a lot from my apostolates that I brought home to me as a priest in the States. And the guys here, the same is true. They they learn a great deal of of, uh, ministerial and pastoral skills. They pray about it together. They write about it. They talk about it in groups. And they process it and bring Christ in the middle of it, and they and they bring that home again and with great great uh, love to the people. Well, just think of the richness. I mean, in the beginning of their fourth year, they're ordained to the diaconate. Yes. You know, and then at the end of that fourth year, in their home parish, I mean, in their home diocese, they're ordained to the priesthood. Oh, yes. <clears throat> but what a richness all that background in Rome will have brought. And we'll be ordaining 24 men on uh, September 29th. Bishop oh. Austin Vetter will be ordaining them in St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, a very exciting time for the college. All the families come over. There's a family mass uh, the Saturday when they arrive, uh, uh, celebrated by me and the faculty. I've only missed a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, I bet you've been in very many yeah. of them. If it's an act event, I'm there. And you know how beautiful that is. The, the music, the, the, uh, the beautiful presence of, of, uh, of, of St. Peter's and, and the families really leave here, as my family did. They came and were just, uh, they'd never seen an ordination before. And the families come, they see their, their son, their brother, their cousin uh, on the ground making promises. And, and the families are really touched and moved by this. Inspired. Well, you know, the, the family's such an important role. If you don't have parents and brothers and sisters, um, you've got to have families behind you. That's right. That's uh, right. You've got to know that your mom and dad are behind you in this choice. And we're blessed, again, going through the vocation stories of the young men yesterday. It, it is so encouraging to hear how their families support them and they pray for them. And uh, like it was with my family and many families, uh, as a young man goes on in the seminary and then becomes ordained a deacon and a priest, in some ways he brings his family with him closer to the faith and closer to God oh, yeah. because they follow you and they love you as a family member. And uh, so it's an exciting time. And, and, and the they're part of a bigger family now, too. That's exactly the, right. Yeah. That's, so the, yeah, in the, the sense, you're right. In a sense, when a man says yes to God to become a priest, uh, in some ways our families are asked to say yes, too, right? They have to sure. give up their brother, give up their son in a, in a way that's unique. And see, society today doesn't understand sacrifice. Mm. They really don't. Why would a man, you know, give up family and children and right. maybe being rich and everything else? 
they, the, the society just doesn't understand that kind of a choice. And I guess part of your job as a priest is to help people understand, too. Okay, now we only have like a few minutes left, but tell everybody about the Casa Santa Maria, how that's linked to the uh, your postgraduate study program, and then the ongoing theological, the continuing theological education. Yes, thank you, Joan. So the, the Casa Santa Maria is on Humility Street yeah. in Rome. You've been there, too, and it's right near the Trevi Fountain. It's the original building of the North American College that right. was founded in 1859 when Pius IX was Pope. Um, and so that was the original site of the North American College. <clears throat> in 1953, this building was dedicated, the new building, um, and so that building be, has become the graduate house of studies for the North American College. It's still part of the college, and that's a house where uh, bishops send priests who are already ordained to study advanced degrees. Sometimes guys spend four years here at the college, and they're ordained a priest back home, and right. they go down to the casa as priests. Some of the new priests stay here. Um, for their, their fifth year. For their yeah. fifth year. Yeah. It's their choice and their bishop's <clears throat> choice. Uh, but if a priest is being sent for the first time to Rome as a priest, he will go down to the Casa Santa Maria and he'll live there right in the heart of Rome, right near yeah. the universities oh and study down there. So that's a great institution. And that our superior there is uh, Father Jim Kahn, a Jesuit who has been uh, there for three years and okay. is doing a wonderful job yeah. of kind of being, the, again, their spiritual father of the place. And our Institute of uh, Continuing Theological Education is called ICTI. Um, and ICTI is... Uh, since the 1970s, after Vatican, Vatican II, called for ongoing formation of priests. So we have an old convent here on the property. Beautiful building. Beautiful building, now called the Casa O'Toole. Wow, yes. Recently renovated. And um, so priests will come in the fall for three modules. They can stay for all three modules or two modules or just one module. So one month, two months, or three months. And uh, they come and they get great courses in Mariology, in Canon Law, Church History. And the second uh, semester is also a, a sabbatical program, a little longer. And they go to pilgrimages, to ours, to this year they went to Omarabagao for the Passion yeah. Play to go to. So it's a wonderful, wonderful program. So we have, again, the, the North American College has the seminary, as we talked yeah. about mostly, the Casa Santa Maria, and the ICTI program. And we're proud of all three of them. And I think we're going to see growth in, in all three. Uh, Wonderful. We're really excited about the future of this place. And I'm excited and honored to be here. And uh, just ask you your prayers and the prayers of those listening to uh, uh, for their support and their, and their prayers for us. Well, I, I'm honored to be here, too. And, and we've been talking, I should have said this a little bit earlier as well, with Monsignor Tom Powers, the new rector at the Pontifical North American College in Rome. And so our friendship gets to go to a new level now I'm excited about that. I'm excited about meeting a lot of the young men, being part of their life in any way that a, a lay person can, you know, be, be the home, the aunt away from home or something like that. Thank so, you. Thank you so much. As, as my mom used to sign her letters and emails, God sit on your shoulders. So may God sit on your shoulder and the shoulders of your, of your new young men here. Thank you, Joan. Great to be with you, and I look forward to the limoncello. Yes, you got that. God bless you. Thank you. God bless. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.